do you trust our government, the United States government? Do you trust it? Uh, do you? You think they're straight with us? I don't know. I actually know that they haven't been straight with us. Let's face it. You name the event, the major historical event. They hold stuff back. They don't think we can handle the truth, perhaps. Do we know everything that happened related to September 11, 2001? Do we? What about the origins of COVID? Why do they hold so much back from us? And they're holding something back. This caught my attention recently. The 2017 mass shooting in Las Vegas. This was the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. 60 people killed, hundreds wounded, and we don't know a damn thing. They won't tell us a damn thing about the motive of the shooter. Again, largest mass shooting in U.S. history. 60 killed, hundreds wounded. It occurred at that uh, annual music festival in Las Vegas. The gunman, we are told, is Stephen Paddock, a 64-year-old mysterious fellow. However, in recent weeks, it's come to light that some of his friends knew he planned to shoot people, and they told him not to. Did the FBI know that ahead of time? The FBI seems to get tipped off about a lot of things. They were on their way to see Lee Harvey Oswald in the lead-up to the Kennedy assassination. They just never got around to it. They never got around to following up with all those flight schools, with the instructors telling them about these weirdos who only wanted to learn how to take off and not so much how to land. Did they know something? Do they know something? I know they don't trust us. And we have to find out. I mean, this is our information. They work for us, and they don't seem to understand that. And you know who's on to this or has questions? Elon Musk. A Twitter thread recently raising all kinds of, hey, why don't we know by now what was going on in Stephen Paddock's head? It's very, very odd. A lot of odd things. They won't share with us the information. Audrey Hale, the shooter, we're told, in the Covenant School shooting in Nashville. Uh, a radical transgender individual, it has been reported, left behind a massive manifesto outlining motivations and a lot of other things. We can't see it. They won't let us see it. And the FBI seems to have figured out what happened at the White House uh, yesterday real quick. So this guy rammed the barricade near the White House. He told authorities his plan was to take over the White House and possibly kill President Biden. Here is the suspect in custody at this moment. And about five minutes later, they said he was a neo-Nazi and took a flag out of the, they said, was in the truck and put it on the ground and, and photographed it. I mean, minutes, seconds later, they were talking about this guy's motives and... In other cases, it takes years, weeks, years, months. We don't find out. Why is that? Very odd, as Elon Musk might say. And Elon Musk, speaking of, is doing something a bit unusual uh, tomorrow. Take a look. We'll be interviewing um, Ron DeSantis, and he has quite an announcement to make. Um, and we'll be, be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers, uh, not, not scripted. Uh, so it's going to be live and let, 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 let her rip. Let it rip. Ron DeSantis is declaring for president tomorrow in an interview with Elon Musk. That's a little, um, well, that's never been done before. 
Why does Ron need to be accompanied by the richest man in the world at his presidential announcement? This is very non-standard. More from Elon Musk, I guess. My preference, and I think would be the preference of most Americans, is really to have someone fairly normal in office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all be quite uh, quite happy with that, actually. Um, you know, I think someone that uh, is representative of the moderate views that I think most of the country holds in reality. Moderate views. Uh, I'll get to those in a moment. Sounds good, but what does it actually mean? One other observation from Elon Musk, who apparently is the MC of the Ron DeSantis presidential campaign. The way things are set up is that we, we, we do have a system that seems to push things towards the edges because of the primaries. So in order to win the primary, you've got to win, um, obviously, a majority of your party's vote. Uh, in both cases, that tends to cause a swing to the left and the right. You know, I consider myself MAGA, make America great again. I don't consider myself an extremist. Do you, if you're MAGA? What do we want? We want strong borders, okay? We want to know who's coming into the country. We don't like wars that never end and that we lose in the end. We don't like overregulation. We prefer lower taxes. And this transgender mess? I mean, not wanting to have drag queens in the schools with the kids. Is that somehow uh, not moderate? Is this somehow MAGA? Is this somehow extremist? Fine. If you want to call us that, you can. They're labeling us that. You know, I like Elon Musk. Easy for him to say, perhaps. If you think, if anybody tries to tell you that the MAGA agenda is too extreme, I tell them to watch the Mount Rushmore July 4th speech from Donald Trump. This is a message, quite frankly, if you listen to it, I know some people don't like Donald Trump, but if you, <laughs> if you listen to it, it's a message that could win 50 states, really. Who are who could be for open borders, who could be for these drag queens hanging around. I don't know. I think it works totally for America. All right, so Ron is entering in with the same kind of excitement and expectation we saw around another Floridian, Jeb Bush. Remember him? All the donors liked him. All the insiders liked Jeb. Now it's Ron's turn, and I think <laughs> I, I, it might be. The most exciting thing about Jeb's campaign was the exclamation point. I'm not sure if Ron's going to be pull, pulling that off. I mean, look at all the members of the Florida delegation who went for Trump so far. Ron DeSantis with Elon Musk tomorrow. Who's going to be in charge of that arrangement? Who's going to be the, the heavyweight in the room? Is it Ron DeSantis or is it Elon Musk? I kind of feel like with Elon there, Ron may feel like he works for him. You know who runs the Republican Party, aside from MAGA and Trump? The donors. The donors. They always talk about these donors. So many donors out there and others who have high hopes for a Trump alternative. The donors that have flocked to him right now. What the donors want is not what the grassroots want. Donors are thinking more about electability. We want to win. We want to take back the White House. The donors, huh? The donors are calling the shots. I thought that everybody could only give a maximum of like $5,000, maximum. These rich donors, what, oh, they write seven-figure checks to the PACs, to the Political Action Committee, which is the same thing. One of the many refreshing things about Donald Trump all the way back in 2015, 2016, he funded his own primary. Yes, the fake news will say, well, wait a second. Actually, technically, in some ways, no. He funded, he wrote big checks to his own campaign and 
I don't know, he didn't need a billionaire when he declared for president by his side. He's the billionaire. Ron DeSantis owes his entire political identity to Donald Trump. Everyone knows my husband, Ron DeSantis, is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league. So good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's the Trump agenda, all right. And he's adopting it. Look, we like the policies. Uh, fine. But there's something else about President Trump that the mainstream media, they don't understand. Trump, in many ways, is a far more traditional president than the presidents we've had this century so far. What do I mean by that? I call it the 10-year test. Take a look at any president in the 20th century, most of them. What were they doing 10 years prior to actually becoming president? They were doing something very big, and most of them were already famous. Let's go all the way back to Eisenhower, all right? When he is sworn in, 10 years before the big day, he was the supreme allied commander and household name famous. The next president was Kennedy, 10 years earlier. Now, he was a, well, he was a congressman, kind of like DeSantis. However, he was a war hero and nationally famous, had already written a Major bestseller, not like those bestsellers we have today. One of those bestsellers that everybody actually read. Richard Nixon, when he became president in 1969, 10 years earlier, he was vice president of the United States. And it goes on like this. Lyndon Johnson, 10 years before he got the big job, Democrat leader in the United States Senate, Ronald Reagan. Everybody knew Ronald Reagan for decades. 10 years prior, he was the governor of California. Uh, and then, folks, things started to change. In the 20th century, 10 years before George W. Bush uh, became president, he was uh, a part owner of the Texas Rangers, all right? He was not on anybody's list to be president. Barack Obama, 10 years before he became president, state senator. State senator, nobody. All right, so Donald Trump. This goes back to the model of the 20th century, 10 years before the for the big day, well, he was internationally famous, building buildings all over the place. 20 years before the big day, uh, go back and back and back. Uh, in the 90s, in the 80s, people knew who he was, and they were actually talking about him running for president before he was even old enough to be president. And I think it's an interesting comparison to put Donald Trump in the 1980s up against Ron DeSantis in the 1980s. What was Ron doing? He was doing what kids are supposed to be doing. No, no harm there, but you see what's happening here, right? You see the, well, the depth and breadth of experience of the one guy who's already been president. The age factor, I think, actually works in Donald Trump's favor. He's made his money. If Ron DeSantis becomes president, you know, he's going to be spending most of his life not as president. He's got to worry. He's designed to worry. We all are about wife children, family first? Is he really able to put the country first? And I'm sorry, what's it going to look like when he walks into the room and Putin's waiting for him? Is he ready for Putin? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the fake news trips him up all the time. Putin? All right. Do we do have this, though? And this is possibly why so many other Republicans want to get in the race. Wall Street Journal, special counsel is wrapping up Trump Mar-a-Lago probe. That's all the... Uh, 
The documents, the boxes hoax, as it's called. Some of Trump's close associates are bracing for his indictment. However, there's this. The journal could not determine whether Smith, the special prosecutor, has decided whether to charge Trump. So it may not happen, but I think some Republicans out there want it to happen, and that's why they're getting in the race. We'll see. Hey, we have to do this regarding January 6th, if you don't mind. Who's in Too many of the conservative media wait for the left to say something about January 6th, and then we react to it. Now, there was no significant news regarding January 6th today. I mean, they're always trying to make something of it, but I think proactively, January 6th must be addressed. And the questions that they did not answer, actually, the questions that they didn't even ask, we will ask and we will demand answers on a daily basis, okay? Number one. Who was that little cop waving people inside aggressively? This appears to be a Capitol Hill police officer waving people. Step right up to the Capitol. Why? And who are these officers just standing there as the crowds come into the building? Welcome to the Capitol. Right this way. What is that all about? Why did those officers walk off their post just before Ashley Babbitt was killed? I heard recently that, well, they were being relieved by... Um, riot police who had just arrived. Well, in the military, we have a, a general order. You don't walk off your post until properly relieved. Oh, let's go. Yeah, da-dup, 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 da-dup. And then all hell breaks loose. The riot cops aren't there yet. And Ashley Babbitt is about to be shot. And let's not forget the horns guy, as Tucker, you know, Speaker McCarthy gave him the footage. Why was the horns guy, Jacob Chansley, being escorted, assisted by the police that day. <laughs> How could people like Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer condemn Tucker or anybody for airing this footage? This is, they, they didn't say it was fake. They say it was selectively edited. Are you kidding me? We know what we're looking at. The cops don't do anything to stop this guy. And it's crazy. It's crazy. I'll be right back. If you suffer from daily pain, I need you to listen to this message very carefully. As we age, aches and pains are normal, and we're all searching for an effective way to relieve pain, and safety is more important than ever. Let's be frank. We've all seen the horrors of the opioid crisis. You may even have been affected by it personally, and that's where groundbreaking medical scientist comes in, Clint Winters. You may have seen this world-renowned health expert featured in the national media as he unveiled a natural pain reliever that is taking the world by storm. Yes, I'm talking about Conolidine, Kono CB2, the 100% drug-free way to get full-body pain relief without dangerous meds. As you read this, Kono CB2 has become the go-to pain reliever for hundreds of professional athletes, tens of thousands of seniors, and the pain reliever of choice for the UFC. Clint explains how canolidine is the only compound on earth that optimizes your body's natural painkillers called endorphins at any age. When taken daily, your body will get back to relieving pain like you were in your prime in no time. And the reviews have been incredible. Thousands of others just like you tried virtually everything and have not felt this great in years. Best of all, Kono CB2 does not make you feel the least bit groggy. You feel great, alert, and ready to take on the day. And the very best news, Kono CB2 has no documented side effects 
after years in private testing. So whatever you do, make sure to visit TryCB2. That's T-R-Y-C-B2.com and check out Clint's amazingly informative report on how canoladine is changing lives by providing safe and powerful relief at one-tenth the cost of pain pills. Visit TryCB2.com to access the only canoladine product in the world. Well, it looks pretty hideous and talent-free, but if you take that video, stick it in an app on your phone, billions of people are going to watch it and watch it and re-watch it and share it and watch other depraved things just like it. Look at the numbers. The stats are mind-boggling. Now, this is for teens, but I think it applies for adults. I mean, look at all the our, our lives are being spent on the phone, more time on the phone than actually living life. So the Surgeon General put out a report. It's uh, just a few pages long, and it summarizes, a, well, a pretty serious problem, and it's not going to help one damn bit. It's not. This is going to take a lot more than that guy putting out a position paper. This reminds me of the little label on the cigarette box. Remember that? Did this really stop anybody from smoking? I don't think so. It was there since the 1970s, right? It causes this, that, and the other thing. That's not what got people to stop smoking. It took a lot of things. Um, you know, they banned it on airplanes. They banned it uh, in restaurants. And it took a lot of leaders. Mike Bloomberg was one of them. Joe Biden could be saying and doing so many things if he were a true leader. But he's not. And this is pretty much all he knows how to do. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. There's a Republican Party and there's the MAGA Republicans. Our MAGA Republicans in Congress are threatening to undo all this progress. Look, I don't want to hear from the MAGA Republicans. Right? We've heard that a million times. Have you ever heard him talk about anything? Like, if you were president, think about what you could talk about. You know, there's more to that job than just filling out executive orders and blaming Congress. You can talk about things. Joe says he's a person of faith, but all he seems to do is brag about how well he knows the Pope. Pope Francis has become a, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, has become a, uh, someone who's provided great solace for my family when my son died. When I won, he called me. He's just a fine, decent, honorable man. And I, <laughs> he, uh, and we keep in touch. I had the honor of meeting Pope Francis in the Vatican and uh, marking the progress when uh, the only openly Catholic president uh, was able to openly befriend the second Catholic, but the only one able to befriend the Pope. He's bragging about religion, not talking about his relationship with God or Jesus or, or anything. I, unfortunately, I think Joe is a, is a lost soul. So I guess he can't do it. Otherwise, he'd be a hypocrite. I hope he, I hope he gets that straightened out. But number one, our leader, you would think, would have this kind of wisdom to impart. Joe does have life experience. His son, Hunter, is an addict. And Joe knows firsthand how horrible this stuff can be, right? Joe doesn't drink and he's never smoked, he tells us. I believe him. Um, but Joe's not leading a conversation about this stuff, is he? Instead, it's this. And I'm here with my sister, Valerie, 
And my younger son, Hunter Biden, stand up, guys. I'm proud of you. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's, he's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. Another brag, another boast. What about trying to help people? I mean, again, firsthand, Hunter, he's been to hell, right? So how do we avoid that? Instead of just trying to score political points and defend your son from the MAGA Republicans, you know, on Joe's watch, they basically legalized marijuana. Anybody can smoke this stuff. And they are. They are. America, you know, after COVID, we didn't have much of an edge. And now we're losing whatever edge we had. Smoking that stuff, I see people <laughs> during lunch breaks, the gummies all over the place. This is ruining us, ruining us, I do believe. I know there are libertarians out there and medical marijuana, okay, maybe, but I have my doubts. And, you know, Trump was actually, like Biden, a teetotaler, never drank, never smoked. And I think the words that he had on this subject were far more helpful and far more honest than anything Biden has ever said. I had a brother, Fred, great guy, best-looking guy, best personality, but he had a problem. He had a problem with alcohol. And he would tell me, don't drink, don't drink. He was substantially older, and I listened to him, and I respected, but he would constantly tell me, don't drink. He'd also add, don't smoke. But he would say it over and over and over again. What a message from a big brother, huh? Back to Joe Biden for a moment. Remember, he was Mr. Empathy. He was Mr. You know, nice guy. He was going to make everything, well, nice again, gentle. No. But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot on the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. Ah, with respect, damn it. Was that a little edgy on his part? I think it was. All right. Anyway, enough of him. Here's the big lie of the moment. You hear it a million times a day, especially from the left. We need to have a conversation in this country about about something, about guns, about Me Too, but a conversation. We need to have a conversation about mental health, about crime. What we need to do is have a conversation as a country. So we need to have a different conversation in this country about guns, but also a different conversation about policing. We need to be having a conversation right now about how traumatic it is to our communities. A uh, conversation, that means you say something, I say something, you say something, we maybe we disagree, we keep talking, we keep talking. No one's having a conversation, okay? Especially the left. They don't want to have a conversation. This is how the left acts when they're around things they don't like. If you're not educating this is propaganda. What are you going to do, like anti-trans next? Is that what you're going to do next? I mean, no, we're talking about abortion. This is This is violent. You're triggering my students. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You're, no, you're not. Because you I'm can't sorry. even have a baby. That's so you don't even know what that is. You don't even know what this is. Get this out of here, bro. A conversation with a leftist generally means, from their side, shut the hell up. I'm speaking. 
all the time. The professor, oh, by the way, lost her job. That's actually a good thing, all right? I hope she calms down. Fired over the incident. Uh, that is no way to act, but you see it all the time. Take a look at this. They're saying dirty word, dirty word, the teacher is fascist uh, because the teacher made them do homework. I mean, everybody's very, very sensitive. One other thing, uh, the ball field in Los Angeles, Dodger Stadium. There's nothing less sexually oriented than baseball, all right? I used to like baseball. It's totally boring, takes way too long. I know they changed the rules. It still stinks. The players get paid way too much. If you like it, fine. I want nothing to do with it anymore. And even less, since they have LGBTQ night at Dodger Stadium and ballparks all over the place, right? The rainbow flag. Bring out the rainbow flag. There's nothing gay about baseball. There's nothing straight about baseball. It's, there's plenty that's boring about baseball, okay? And they have trans night, and uh, it's ridiculous. And guess what? The trans nuns were disinvited, and now they've been reinvited because, well, the trans nuns, uh, they raised a big stink about being disinvited to uh, gay night. Now, these are special trans nuns. These are the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Wow. I've heard of the Sisters of Mercy, but the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, what is it they do? What? Who are these people? Well, uh, this is them describing themselves. But I can tell you a little bit about what it takes to become a sister. You start as an aspirant and you aspire for a couple of months. We use the term ministry very loosely because my ministry is making someone laugh, putting a smile on somebody's face and raising money for groups that cannot. All right, so it looks pretty much like a perverted scam. These are not uh, nuns and it's all a mess. So they were... I guess they didn't get their invitation. They totally freaked out. And now the Dodgers, the baseball team, completely, abjectly apologizing. So they're going to uh, LGBTQ night. Let's put the statement up on the, on the screen, please. It's quite the statement, okay? Uh, let's see here. After much th thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. How do those go over, huh? Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGT, you know, community and their friends and families. Wow. Anybody else? Uh, we have asked the Sisters of Perpetual... They keep using the same ridiculous name to take their place on the field at our 10th annual lgbtq plus pride night have they talked to steve garvey about this stuff we are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective this is disgusting all right baseball is supposed to be boring and bland and not about lgbtq not about straight, not about, it's not about orientation or sex. This isn't saying, hey, what would Tommy Lasorda say about all this stuff, huh? Can you believe the same team that Tommy Lasorda managed 
is now engaging in this nonsense because they have to. Oh, by the way, Tommy Lasorda is mentioned in Donald Trump's uh, new book, Letters to, from Trump, or Letters to Trump. Great guy. They were great friends. And, you know, this is a very insane moment, but we started the block with a small, lame label on the side of the cigarette box, which never really dissuaded anybody. Uh, people were smoking for, I mean, look at this stuff, right? This used to be America. You could smoke wherever the hell you wanted to. We're encouraged to do so on planes, trains, elevators. Just go ahead and smoke. And as insane as that was, we stopped. Somehow we figured it out. And if we just stopped doing it, maybe, maybe the sisters of perpetual indulgence will just kind of go their own ways at some point and do more productive things, more healthy things. Let's see. I'll be right back. The campus of the University of California at Berkeley, one of the most competitive schools in the UC system. Looks like a great place to go to college. However, it's totally liberal and crazy, and this is how crazy it is. Just the other day, they had a graduation ceremony for black students only. For black students only. Whites excluded? Whites excluded. It is totally insane. It's almost funny. I mean, it's so absurd, but actually, it's probably no laughing matter. We go now to Utkarsh Jain, a student at UC Berkeley. He'll be a junior next year and the spokesperson for the Berkeley College Republicans. Uh, welcome, Utkarsh. How are you? Doing well, Greg. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. That did You heard what I said. It sounds totally insane. What are your thoughts on this thing? And oh, by the way, were whites specifically excluded from the event? Well, absolutely. Whites were completely excluded from the event. Um, it was completely black only. And um, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised at all. Um, back in 2021, when I first entered UC Berkeley, I noticed that they were segregating housing based off of race and gender, um, whether that be blacks only or LGBTQ plus only housing. Um, and so to me, it was quite a shocker to see a university um, just in general trying to segregate based off of immutable characteristics that no one has any control over. Um, and so I'm not surprised, and I think this is the first time that UC Berkeley has done anything like this. And um, just being in a state like California where they're trying to repeal Prop 16 and um, trying to introduce all kinds of radical ideas and practices, um, it's quite normal in a day like this in Berkeley to see graduation ceremony like this. What do the students think? You've got, uh, you know, you're on campus every day, friends, uh, people. What are they saying about this? I mean, you know what we're saying? It sounds totally insane. I, I mean, what, what's the reaction? Well, the reaction is quite, um, quite mellow. Um, people and students really don't care. Um, I think that says a lot about our culture and our country um, where people see these things and kind of desensitize to them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember what I learned back in high school about the Civil Rights Act and um, to see that people don't make a bigger deal about these segregating um, practices by the university. It's a complete shocker. And to see the radical left, especially on our campus, not pushing back against these things, um, it's a testament to the times we live in and just how much control the left has over our college campuses and are, frankly, all over the country over our students' minds and, and what they learn. And this has been um, in the so works. It's, it's not a shocker. 
Ukarsh, this has been in the works for a while. I found a headline. This is from 2017. Harvard University had a uh, black only. The celebratory occasion is the first ever university-wide commencement ceremony honoring graduating students who identify with the African diaspora, diaspora, whatever, uh, making it sound like it's somehow uh, wholesome academically. That was in 2017. Uh, so this is not an overnight thing. Um, all right. So people are kind of like, whatever on campus. I know they've got other things to worry about, I guess. Uh, what are you college Republicans doing about it? Uh, what can you do? Petitions? I don't know. Have a sit-in? What, 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 how, how do you oppose this stuff? Well, it's, it's tough, Greg, um, to, to be on a campus like Berkeley. It's really tough as a college Republican. Um, we are in the smallest, smallest minority. I mean, I think there's more squirrels on campus than we are. It's a, it's a, we're a unicorn, essentially, um, on this campus. And so it's a tough battle, but I think we have to take it one step at a time. And I think um, our leadership team at, at the Berkeley College Republicans has taken a tremendous opportunity to bring back and rejuvenate the lost voices of conservatives and libertarians and people that are just disenfranchised with the liberals on campus that are pushing these radical ideas. Um, and so we've been working day and night, putting together membership lists, tabling, and putting on speaker events that people can learn from and, and prominent speakers that people might know of, might not know of, but regardless, they can have a free dialogue between the speaker and them and learn a little bit more about what conservatives yeah. believe in, what conservatism is, and frankly, why we aren't so crazy. Um, after all, we're trying to just solve daily issues and help the people as best as possible, just like the lift, well, left reports themselves to be. Okay, Ukarsh, you guys are in such a minority there, the College of Republicans. You guys should have your own uh, graduation, a special safe place for you guys to have the graduation. All right, a little bit about you. Sorry, go into, <laughs> you're, you're going into <laughs> your junior year. What are you, what are you majoring in, and, and what do you want to do after school? Yeah, so um, I'm majoring in business administration and in economics, um, and I think I've, I've started my career already from the age of 20. Um, just became the youngest treasurer elected to a local county party for the Republican Party, and I think American history, um, just at the age of 20. And same thing with my best friend at, at the age of 20, becoming the youngest chairman. So I think we're, we're starting a career. I think Gen Z needs to take up um, the mantle here, and, and, and we need to take the, the fight to, to, to where it needs to go and, and fight against the radical left. And I'm on campus day and every day, fighting them in classrooms, outside of class, and as a career, you know, going into business, fighting the corporate media, um, as well as the corporate world trying to push DEI programs and other things onto us. You know, that's my mission, and I continue to work in both in politics and business to continue this fight. Love it. Udkarsh Jane, remember that name, uh, and school's going to fly by. Uh, thank you very much. Good luck. Stay in touch. Uh, spokesperson for the Berkeley College Republicans, Udkarsh Jane, to be continued, and we'll be right back. We'll be interviewing um, Ron DeSantis, and he has quite an announcement to make. Um, and will be, be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers, uh, not, not scripted. Uh, so it's going to be live and let, 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 let her up. What is going on? What? Uh, DeSantis is announcing for president, but Elon Musk is going to be there interviewing him. 
Uh, this sounds totally uh, ill-conceived. Can I say ill-conceived? I think it's ill-conceived, but we'll see. Joe DeGeneva joins us, former United States Attorney for Washington, D.C., NewsVax contributor. Also, Dick Morris, host of Dick Morris Democracy, advisor to many presidents, including President Trump, and the author of The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Dick, first to you. Uh, I can't... Uh, uh, what do you think? It seems really, really silly, but what do you think? DeSantis is revealing himself to be really a rhino. Uh, he's got the backing of Karl Rove and all of the people that have always opposed Trump. They don't much care if Biden wins. They just want Trump to lose. At that event with uh, with uh, Musk, he's that's being hosted or emceed, moderated, by a guy named David Sachs, who contributed $70,000 to Hillary's campaign in 2016, an enormous sum. And DeSantis is basically becoming the tool of the never-Trumpers. Right now, he has no real chance to win. But what he can do is take positions so far to the right that Trump has to move to the right, and then he can't move back to the center to win the general election. And that's the strategy of these people who don't care if they win. They just want Trump to lose, and they're using DeSantis as a foil to do that. Wait, one Very quickly, is DeSantis down with that plan? Something tells me DeSantis yeah. wants to be president, and he thinks he, he can be president. He does. He thinks he can, but he thinks his best strategy is to ambush Trump in Iowa by taking extreme right positions on abortion, knowing that if Trump follows them, he'll be undermining his chances in November. Gotcha. Joe, I'd like to get your opinion on that. And also, if you don't mind, the Wall Street Journal is reporting tonight that uh, Smith, the special prosecutor into the boxes situation, is wrapping up his probe. And people close to Donald Trump are, the story says, uh, bracing for his indictment. Although they do say they can't confirm whether or not that's going to happen. And I feel like the writers of this story are playing a little game here. Like, they're close to Donald Trump, but... They don't actually know what's going on. Anyway, Joe, welcome. How are you? What do you think of all this? Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Jack Smith is going to indict Donald Trump uh, for something related to the documents at Mar-a-Lago. The, uh, the apparent uh, evidence that's being developed deals with some form of obstruction by the president in hiding or keeping the documents after they had been subpoenaed uh, by a federal grand jury. Uh, I, I think from the beginning it has been clear that Smith has been given an order by Merrick Garland to bring charges against the president. And I think they're going to happen. And I think it's one of the most disgraceful developments in the history of this country that a, a document production matter involving presidential records and the National Archives has been converted once again into a criminal case manufactured out of whole cloth, just like Bragg's case in New York. But it's, it's I, uh, wow, I fear that you're correct. They're going to do this, but, and federal is a lot more serious than state. I mean, it may be a bogus case, but federal charges, right? I mean, of course. Uh, of course. And it's just, it's disgraceful. And uh, this is all happening with the approval of President Biden and Merrick Garland and uh, with the complicity. The sort of sleazy complicity of Christopher Ray and the FBI, that outrageous raid on Mar-a-Lago at the home of a former president, uh, that is one of the most disgraceful events in the history of the FBI and the Department of Justice. But they revel in it. This is how sick the Department of Justice is under Merrick Garland and how sick the FBI is 
under Christopher Ray. And how about that, Dick? Maybe all these Republicans, uh, Tim Scott, even they're getting in because, well, Trump's going to get indicted. He may not make it. So after he gets well, arrested, think, there will be me. I think they all know that a second or third or fourth or fifth indictment, just like the impeachment, keep them piling on. Uh, even if he gets convicted of a records offense that's minor, it's not going to make any difference. Um, the 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 point is that the more they attack Trump, the more they go after him, the more they push DeSantis off the stage. Mm. I mean, here DeSantis is about to announce, and the Wall Street Journal, which is controlled by Murdoch, who hates Trump, is running the story that Trump's going to be indicted. And uh, it, it backfires enormously. People rally to Trump. They don't pay any attention to DeSantis. And uh, and it works in Trump's favor, just yep. like the rag indictment did. We'll see. Uh, all right. Tomorrow, we'll know more. I uh, can't believe Elon Musk is going to emcee this thing. Dick Morris, <laughs> Joe DeGeneva, thank you. To be continued, be right back. Many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week. That sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. <laughs> Donald Trump, you should have fired this guy that very day. It's my only grievance with Trump, really. Mark Milley, unbelievable. You know what he was apologizing for? For this moment. When he was, there he is, all the way behind Trump, all right? This is the day that Donald Trump went to the uh, church and held up the Bible, which I thought was kind of great, you know, law and order and peace prevailing, God prevailing in front of a church who was totally appropriate. So he goes and apologizes. It was just a message to the swamp. I'm going to stab this guy in the back and front. I am totally with you and against the democratically elected president. That was damn near treasonous. I think it was a coup, quite frankly, essentially a coup. Anyway, the guy who just apologized, you see that for getting involved in domestic affairs? Look at what he has to say about the uh, debt situation, the debt ceiling. China uh, right now uh, describes us in their open speeches, etc., as a declining power. Defaulting on the debt will only reinforce that thought and embolden China and increase risk to the United States. All right, but there you go, wading right into the domestic issue, right? The debt ceiling. I mean, that's way outside his lane, right? Wow. One political animal. Very bad general. His days are numbered, by the way. He'll be replaced shortly. And I'll be right back. So my book, it hasn't been banned yet. Available wherever books are sold, Justice for All, by me, Greg Kelly, how the left is wrong about law enforcement. A lot is in there, and it's really for the ages, okay? Big thing I talk about, the complete and total overreaction to the death of George Floyd. So many people have paid such a big price for the lies that have been told about police in America January 6th. Quite frankly, specifically white women and this whole Karen craze, it's ludicrous. And it's one thing to tweet about it. It's one thing to talk about it on the show. But to put it on paper and have a publisher like Simon & Schuster put it out there into the world, well, anyway, I'm very proud of it. For your consideration, once again, and thank you for watching. I'll be back tomorrow. Many thanks.